Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I am your host, as always, Kerry Parker. And uh, today we're going to do another one of our Castle Defense 101 classes. We're going to talk today at length about web tracking. Uh, in particular, what it is and what you can do to stop it. Uh, privacy is one of those things I care a lot about. We talk a lot about on this show. And... Uh, uh, but I don't get into a lot of why and how it actually works, and uh, today I want to spend some time on that so you can really get an idea of what's going on and the amazing number of ways that you're being tracked around the web. It's it's quite fascinating, and it's honestly should be disturbing, but uh, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to get into the details. Uh, I'm going to tell you kind of how it all works, and then I'm going to tell you what you can do about it. But before we get into that real quick, I want to drop at least one bit of news on you. Uh, if you happen to be using the utility CCleaner, uh, that's capital C followed by the word cleaner uh, altogether. Uh, that's a very popular tool for kind of helping to clean up your Mac or your PC, get it rid of a bunch of cruft and stuff that's been lying around. It supposedly makes your uh, PC or Mac run faster, helps you protect your privacy, yada, yada, yada. It's a nice little tool. I've used it myself in the past. I uh, don't know if any of you guys use it, but if you do, uh, you need to make sure you get that updated right away. There was... Um, uh, the company that now owns the, the, that product, uh, Vast, who bought it off a previous company, uh, says that the version 5.33 uh, for Windows was hacked. Actually, it wasn't the application itself; it was the installer. Uh, somehow, they got into their um, got onto their website and managed to hack the installer for that product to act, add on something else and install some malware along with the product. Um, and for the most part. Uh, it looks like this software doesn't do much. It was actually, it looked like it actually might've been a state actor that did it because, um, one of the things it would do in certain situations, it was it would download a second piece of malware. If the, uh, the targeted computer was in within a certain network and it was targeting very high profile, big companies like, uh, Sony and Samsung, Intel, Microsoft, Cisco, Linksys, Google, uh, along with some others. So kind of looks like maybe it was corporate espionage based or something like that. But regardless, um, a lot of people do use this tool and apparently about 2.3 million users may have been affected. Uh, it was downloadable for about a month. Uh, there is a new version. You just need to go get that and uh, install it and you should be fine. Um, most likely it, it didn't do anything to you, um, but you know, better safe than sorry. So if you happen to use the, the, the utility CCleaner, uh, go out and make sure you get the latest version uh, that you want something that's 5.34 or later. Okay, so let's get into our Castle Defense 101 class. Uh, we're going to talk all about web tracking today and how and why companies are so eager to track your progress around the web, figure out what your web search history is, among other things, um, and what you can do about it. So, you know, first of all, why, why are they doing this? Well, uh a long time ago, when the internet came around, everything <laughs> everything was free, and we as a society got used to that and really liked things being free. So this stuff, of course, is not free. You know, for this content to be provided, uh, these companies have to make some money somehow. And when they realized that they really couldn't make it by asking people to pay because nobody <laughs> nobody wanted to pay, they went to the age old model of advertising and. Uh, you know, back in the day, it was it wasn't that big of a deal. You go to a website and you see a little banner on top or a little uh, little image off to the side, and they would be trying to sell you something. If you went to you know, if you went to some 
uh, site looking for new cars, well, then, you know, they might be trying to send you to auto dealerships in your area, uh, things like that. It would make sense. Just like when you're watching certain TV shows, you see certain kinds of ads because they know that the type of people that would go to this website, they've learned that more than likely they have a certain demographic, they have a certain, uh, certain age, a certain income, uh, gender, all these kind of things. They, they kind of do studies and figure out what kind of people like to go to these sites or they just use common sense. If you're going to a football website, well, then you're probably going to be interested in beer and <laughs> other things, you know, fan, uh, fan based stuff, shirts, hats, whatever. So, um, you know, and that's all well and good if they, if that's how they need to make the money and, and that makes it free for the rest of it. Great. Uh, but unfortunately, over time, what these advertisers and um, marketing firms started to figure out was, if I could figure out even more information, if I could figure out exactly who this was, or, or pretty close to exactly who it was that was looking at this web right now, if I knew, um, you know, maybe not their name, but if I knew where they came from, you know, I can tell kind of from their IP address, where they're from in the country, and maybe even what neighborhood they're from. Um, which might give me an idea of what their ethnicity might be or what their income level might be uh, or what their local interests might be. And uh, if I can track them in multiple ways, I may also be able to figure out lots of other things about them, maybe their sexual preference, maybe uh, whether they're married or not, whether they have kids or not, um, whether they're expecting a baby or not. Uh, you'd be surprised at all the things they could try to figure out and do figure out by tracking your web traffic. And if they could, if they could build this portfolio on you, and figure out that that's who was visiting the web page, then they could give you highly targeted advertising. Um, and not only that, but they've they figured out that you know if you're on one website and you click on an ad for something, well, you're probably interested in that thing, and they would remember that, so that when you go to other websites, completely unrelated websites, all of a sudden you may notice that the advertising on that website is based on the thing you clicked on you know, maybe days ago. Um, or maybe based on a website that you visited days ago. So, you know, if they know if you're going to, you know, if you're going to websites looking at, you know, shopping for cribs, if you're shopping for diapers and things like that, well, they might start, you know, if they can track you and figure that out, then no matter what website you go to, they fill that little basically billboard space, uh, uh, those little advertising nooks and crannies on the website with ads that are targeted toward baby stuff. So that should seem creepy because it is, uh, but it also might seem harmless. You might think, oh, okay, well, maybe that's what I want. Maybe I want to see those ads. Maybe that makes sense. Why should, why would I, you know, want to see ads for, you know, pickup trucks when I'm interested in new baby stuff. So, you know, there's an argument to be made for that, but the trouble is they're really doing more than that. And they're, they've also learned that not only can I collect this information and use it for targeted advertising, but I could also build up this portfolio on you and sell it to other people who want it for other reasons. And that may have nothing to do with advertising. For example, if I'm on a political campaign uh, and I need to reach a certain demographic, let's say I'm not very popular with Hispanics. So I might approach one of these companies and say, okay, give me a list uh, of these people, or maybe they just contract with them to say, I want you to show advertisements for me with this particular message, uh, the message that I'm trying to drive toward the Hispanic market uh, for these people. Um, and in some cases, with the, the more nefarious way that's being used, and you could see this um, with Facebook in the 2016 um, presidential election, was it was used to target negative ads towards people who may be on the fence uh, for who they're, how they were going to vote. So, uh, I think I, I think I've painted a picture here of why 
it's not quite as harmless as it might seem. And there's a lot more to it than just trying to show you targeted advertising. So once again, how did we get here? Um, again, it's for the, at the basis level, it's about having to pay for the content that's on the website. This, that content does cost money. And I think you've heard me say this before. Um, if you're not going to pay for the content directly, then you're basically going to pay for it with your privacy. In other words, if the product is free, then you are the product. So we need to come up with a new internet business model. Um, and there have been talk about things like micropayments. And this is basically kind of like the reverse of advertising where instead of um, uh, the advertisers paying money for every time somebody comes to your website and sees an ad and pays a little more money if you actually click on that ad, and that's your revenue stream, you actually get money directly from people and you know probably through a third-party clearinghouse of some sort. But when I go to a certain website, um, depending on how much time I spend on that website, depending on how many articles I click on that website, I, I might give them a few fractions of a penny, which may seem like nothing. Um, but if everybody did that, that would be enough money for them to continue doing what they're doing. And, you know, they could be upfront and tell you what those micropayments are going to be. And for the most part, most people wouldn't care. There was another kind of interesting solution put out by Google that I believe is still out there. Um, sort of like the old arms dealer, <laughs> arms dealer model. They're selling to one side, then they're selling a solution, uh, to the other side. Uh, and that is. You could actually pay Google, I think, up to $10 a month, and you put it into a fund. Because, by the way, Google, if you don't know, it's they're not a search engine, search engine company. They're an advertising company. Uh, they live to learn everything they can learn about you and then present ads to you and then and sell that service to other people, the, the people who want to show these ads. Google is an advertising company. So Google basically came up with the idea of, well, okay, if you don't want to see ads, then uh, let's work out a way for you to pay uh, for these websites, um, by not showing ads. So they would actually, you, know, you could put in like a $10 a month fund. And when you would come up to this website, if they're participating in this program, instead of seeing an ad, that little space where the ad would go, you'd see, I think you can actually choose the image. So you could say, I want to see kittens instead of, <laughs> instead of advertising. And if this site participated in this program, they, they would show you a kitten instead of showing you an ad. And then Google would give that money or some of that money to the website instead of, uh, the ad marketer. So, you know, again, sort of the, arm, the arms dealer model, but, uh, we need to come up with something else. We'll need to come up with some sort of system, but until then we're stuck with what we have. And unfortunately there's a lot of downsides to it beyond just even privacy. One of the other things that, um, that I want to make sure you understand is the way these ads are sold is kind of like billboards along the side of the road. Uh, somebody owns the billboard and then they contract out. Uh, to some other company that fills that billboard with the ads and then just cuts them a check every month. So you try to get that billboard full, but you're you're probably not out there individually selling your billboard space to someone. You've probably hired that out to some company who does billboard space. And it's similar with the ads on the web. So you've kind of on your website, you've identified these areas of your web page, probably a little area at the top, a couple areas off to the side, a couple of random areas, depending on what you've clicked on, that'll show up little ads. And these are kind of your billboards on your website. And then you contract with some marketing or advertising company said, okay, here's, here's my, here's my advertising space. Here's the, here's the size of each of these little windows. Uh, you go off and you fill those with ads for me and then just cut me a check. Um, you know, maybe they take 20% off the top. I don't know what the arrangement is, but you know, as part of their management fee for filling these billboard spaces, um, they get a cut. And what that means is as a website owner, all you really have to do is contract with this ad company and say, okay, look, I don't. I don't care too much what you put here, you know, maybe don't put any porn on here. Maybe don't put on, you know, anything for, oh, I don't know, 
hunting. Maybe maybe I'm a vegetarian or something. I don't know. There probably are some limiting uh, things you could tell these advertising companies, but it's kind of loose. Uh, in some cases, they don't even care. They're like, you know what? Fill it with whatever you can fill it with, whatever's going to make me the most money and, and give you my cut. So unfortunately, because some of these ad companies don't police the ads very closely, um, bad guys will come along and buy ad space. And in that ad space will be advertisements that are either to fake websites that want to collect your information. They're called phishing sites, P-H-I-S-I-N-G, that try to lure you into giving away credit card information or uh, other secret information. Or they could actually be malware right in the advertisement itself, what's called malvertising. Uh, And sometimes with JavaScript, which is one of the uh, the key tools on the internet for your web browser, it's what makes the allows the web browser to do all those fancy things, animations and all sorts of cool stuff. It's also very powerful programming language. Uh, And if you're not careful and you find a bug in some web browsers, you can actually find ways to deliver malware to your computer through your web browser through these bad ads. Um, flash is also flash ads are also horrible this way. Adobe flash. I hate Adobe flash. You should uninstall it it, it, as soon as you can. Um, we're finally moving away from Adobe flash. So, um, it's becoming less and less popular, but Adobe flash is riddled with bugs. Um, they're always fixing major security problems. So, um, if you're using flash to show you, to, to show you these ads, the bad guys can gen up, uh, flash based ads that can deliver malware to your computer. So, it's not even just privacy. There's actually a lot of reasons why you don't necessarily want to have these ads. So it's really two things. So there's the tracking aspect and there's the ads, uh, showing the ads at all. Um, so the tracking aspect you can fix, and we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. Uh, the malvertising part, the only way to really fix that is to block the ads. And I'm going to tell you how to do both here in just a second. One of the other things to consider with all of this tracking and the, the data is who owns this data? Uh, you would kind of hope that you would sort of own this data or at least have some sort of say uh, in how this data is collected and how it's used, but you really don't. Now, in Europe, they're coming up with a lot more privacy rules around this that are really leading the way, kind of putting us to shame, to be honest, um, about how this data is to be treated and how much uh, control consumers have over it. Unfortunately, here in the U.S., we have almost none. Uh, in most cases, you don't even know who it is that's tracking you. you. A lot of people don't even know they're being tracked. Uh, if you did know these weird companies, they're not name brands you would have ever heard of. These are advertising and marketing companies behind the scenes. Of course, Google's one of them. Uh, they, you've heard of them. AdClick or uh, DoubleClick was the company that they bought years ago um, for their uh, advertising, um, uh, for their web advertising wing. Uh, which is now one of the dominant parts of the co- uh, the company's revenue, um, you, you wouldn't even know who to approach uh, and say, hey, what info do you have on me? And he, But even if you did, they really are under no obligation to give it to you, at least under U.S. law. Um, so who knows what information they have on you? You don't, which is sad. Uh, there is a company called Axiom that is that that has tried to help with this, and I've got a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. It's probably going to creep you out, but you should look at it, look at it just to see. You can go to our website, and they will show you kind of the tip of the iceberg of what they've collected on you. Um, and now they're not going to, they're not going to give away the farm. They're not going to tell you everything, but they'll give you a pretty good idea of the kind of information they have on you and what they think they know about you. Uh, so click that uh, link in the show notes uh, on the website um, uh, at americaoutloud.com on the firewalls. Don't stop dragons webpage. And uh, I think you'll find that very interesting. And it, of course it's going to ask you for some personal information. <laughs> Don't worry about giving it. Cause trust me, they already have it. 
Uh, so you're not really giving away, you're not really giving away much there that, that they don't already know. They just wanted to make sure that you are who you say you are, and then they'll they'll show you uh, what it is they think they know about you. And I think you'll find that eye opening. So now, why does this matter? Obviously, the malvertising part matters. So you you don't want to be infected. You don't want your computer infected. But let's let's say that's rare. Let's say that's not that's not very common. Let's say that's not a big issue. I, I'm not sure that that's true, but let's let's put that aside for a second. Just just talk about the privacy aspects. Um, first, I will say, and I've said this multiple times on the show, if you have not seen Glenn Greenwald's TED Talk on privacy, please go look at it now. Um, it's really eye opening, um, and I, it makes a really good case for understanding why privacy matters. I'm just going to summarize a little bit here, um, but he does a much better job, so I would I'd highly recommend you go check that out. So why does it matter? Well, we act differently when we're being observed. Um, that might just seem like an obvious statement. You, you know, uh, you've probably seen the t-shirt that says dance like no one is watching. That's because when people are watching, you generally don't go around dancing unless that's your profession. Um, even though you might feel like dancing, maybe you feel, maybe you feel like being silly or, uh, doing something like that, acting out in some way, but you know, you'll wait till you get home and you'll do it in the shower, uh, and you'll sing in the shower or you'll dance in your living room or you know, whatever the case may be. You'll, there are, there are reasons there are, there are times when humans just human nature, we need privacy and, and we need that space to kind of explore ourselves, explore even, you know, privacy with another person, um, intimacy with your partner. There are things that you, that you need to have that space for. Um, in fact, um, one of the points that uh, I think Glenn makes in, in his speech is that we even need kind of some private space to bend the rules. Um, we need to, you know, go outside the boundaries a little bit, color outside the lines as a, as a human species to grow, to change. Um, sometimes we even need to kind of break the law and, and, you know, by that, I mean like smoke pot or, uh, do, do these things that, that while against the law, they weren't always against the law, or maybe think about the things that uh, interracial marriage, um, gay marriage, uh, a lot of these things were outlawed at one point. Um, so societies do change and for societies to evolve and get past some of these things, not all things, of course, you know, murder is never going to be something that we're going to legalize, but there are social norms that change. And, um, I know I'm getting heavily philosophical here, but my point is, is that sometimes we, we need some space to, to do things that maybe are not, maybe are currently illegal, uh, or un, you know, unethical or looked down upon by society, however you want to phrase it. Um, because sometimes those things are needed for societies to grow and change. Um, but you know, just backing up at just a very personal level, we, we act differently if we're being observed and we, we tend to toe the line a lot more, um, stay in the bounds, uh, don't make any waves, um, if we're being watched and that's not always a good thing for society or for humans, uh, personally. Uh, he brought up the, the notion of this thing called the panopticon. Uh, which is a concept back in the uh, late 1700s by a guy named Jer Jeremy Bentham. Uh, and it was for an institution. It was a design for an institution, like, say, a, a, a prison, where one watchman could potentially watch all inmates at once, but they couldn't tell at any given moment where that watchman was watching. Think of it as like a big circular room or a, or a cylindrical set of floors uh, where in the middle of this is... Uh, 
a guard or a couple guards behind a two-way mirror. So they could see out, but you can't see in. And what you have to assume at any given moment is that they could see anything you're doing. Because they could if they happen to be looking your way. You just don't know if they're looking your way. And this notion was um, uh, was used to design some uh, facilities back in the day, and it worked quite well. Uh, the, the, the inmates were uh, kept much more in line because they always felt like they were being watched, and they couldn't take the chance that they weren't be that they uh, that they weren't being watched. And sadly, that's kind of where we're becoming in a society today. With we've got cameras everywhere, our cell phones are monitoring our every move. Um, uh, we're being tracked along the web by advertising companies and probably by the government. Uh, and we're getting to the point where we're, well, if we haven't figured it out yet, we're going to figure it out that at any given moment, what we're doing can be seen by somebody else or at least recorded, uh, and then looked at, uh, later to, if someone wants to find out what we were doing and that's going to affect how we operate as a society and how we act as humans. So, all right, let's. Let's move past some of that. I will leave you with one more quote, though. Uh, and this was from, from Edward Snowden, uh, infamous person, um, who uh, a few years back revealed the extent to which our uh, intelligence agencies here in the United States were tracking U.S. citizens when they really weren't supposed to be. And he said, quote, arguing that you don't care about privacy because you have nothing to hide is no different than saying you don't care about free speech because you have nothing to say. I think that's a powerful statement. I think it really kind of draws a, a very interesting parallel. Um, it, most people would agree that we should have free speech to, on some level. Um, if, you know, there's always limitations. Um, but you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. That's always the classic one from a legal standpoint. But generally speaking, we should be allowed to speak our minds um, and express our opinions. And so even if you don't happen to be a political activist and you don't happen to have something controversial to say, you recognize the right of someone else to have to, to be able to do that. And it's an important part of our society. Uh, it's one of the cornerstones of our democracy. Um, but I think a lot of people feel that uh, with privacy, it's like, well, I got, I got nothing to hide. So what's the point? And it really, there really is a much bigger point than that. Even if you personally feel that you have nothing to hide. And I would argue that you have more to hide than than you think you do. Uh, again, back to the whole privacy thing and the, the nature of human beings in general to need some privacy. Um, but there are a lot of people out there that, that really do need that privacy. And uh, you need to protect their rights so that when it comes time for it, be, for it to be important to you, that your rights are also protected. All right, now we're going to take a little break from the philosophical aspects of this and jump, jump into the more concrete stuff about how this is actually happening, how they're actually tracking you right after this break. The Out Loud Perspective awaits you in life, love, politics, a healthy lifestyle, your faith, personal development, and living an out loud life on AmericaOutloud.com. Glitcher News and Entertainment Network, where you can listen 24-7 on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep, but it doesn't have to be that way. 
there haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Okay, so let's step off the soapbox now. Now let's get back to the nuts and bolts of how this actually works. So I'm surfing the web, uh, and I go to one website, and uh, maybe I am looking at cars there, and then I go off to some other website completely different. I'm looking now. I'm looking at fishing gear. Well, there's an advertisement on that website for cars. Was that a coincidence? I don't know. Now I go off to Amazon. Hey, there's there's that advertising for cars again. That's that's kind of weird. And then I go to another website and I'm still seeing card advertisements. Okay, something something's going on there. And there is something going on there. They're tracking you. Here's how, here's how they're tracking you. Uh, one of the main ways they do it today is with, is with a little bit of technology called a cookie. And web cookies are probably something you've heard about, but you probably don't understand what they are. So let's talk about that. A web cookie really is just a little text file. It's a little bit of data um, that when you go to a website, any of the websites that are represented on that page, and there could be multiple, um, drops a little cookie on your computer. And that's a little text file. And that little text file probably has a date, uh, date and time. It'll uh, probably have, it has whatever it knows about you uh, in there and a little bit of an identifier. And it may just be an identifier. And then they keep the information about you back on their servers and they don't actually put that on your, on your computer. But with the, it's kind of like a little tracking token, a little a little tag. I don't know if you remember, if you're old enough to remember the old days of Mutual Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, uh, you remember those things where Bob, trusty Bob, would be out there with his his special targeting gun, and he would shoot these little tags on animals uh, that wouldn't hurt them much. It would it would just um, stick to them, and these little tags would allow them to track these animals over time to kind of, you know, see what they're mating and migration habits and all that kind of stuff and, and see what their life, you know, what they do in their lives. Well, it's kind of like that, except that you don't see it. Uh, you don't see it, you don't feel it, but it happened. It's there on your computer and you didn't know it. So they drop this little tag, and that little tag identifies you um, and said that you came to this website. And then when you go to some other website, uh, if there's a, this gets a little tricky, but the web pages that you're looking at are actually usually multiple little spaces all stitched together to, to look like one page. For instance, all the advertisements that are on that page are probably not coming from the website that you went to. They're coming from some advertising website. So you may go to amazon.com or you may go to edmunds.com or toysrs.com or whatever. Uh, if you see things on that web page, a lot of little pieces and parts of that, that little the little quilt, patchwork quilt of what that web page is, is actually made up of a whole bunch of little parts. And some of those parts come from other websites, websites that you didn't go to. If you go to, to go to Amazon.com, they're actually some of the little piece parts of that web page are coming from completely different websites. Um, but if I'm an advertiser on one, one website and, and the same advertiser on another website, uh, I'm, in that case, I'm considered a third party. Uh, the first party is the website that you actually went to. So if I, if I go to amazon.com, then amazon.com is considered the first party. Uh, but if there's a little advertisements on there, a little, 
bits of web pages that are actually come from someplace else, those are considered third parties. Um, and if I'm a third party advertiser on a website and you come to one website, uh, I can drop a cookie on website A. And then when I go off to website B, if I'm also the third party advertiser on that site, I can actually query that cookie and say, oh yeah, I know that guy. He was over at website A just a minute ago. So since I know he's at website A, I know a little something more about this guy. And now I can start tailoring my advertising uh, based on what I know. And of course, it's not just two websites. It's probably 10 websites or 100 websites. So they've really built up a, pro a portfolio on you by, by dropping these little tags all over the place so that as you surf the web and it can query these tags and it can really build up a picture of the kind of websites you go to, not just where you went, but how long you stayed there. Did you click on anything else while you were there? What progression did you go through? Did I, did I start at Amazon and then I went to Toys R Us and then I went to a phishing site? You know, maybe that tells them something. Um, you'd be amazed at how much they can figure out just based on these cookies. But let me back up here a minute. So cookies, I probably should have led with this. Cookies are actually not themselves evil or malicious. So back in the day, the way it used to work with cookies is it was, it was meant to preserve some information about you to make your experience on that website better. For example, if I come into a website and I need to log in, uh, I don't want to do that every time I come to the website. So when I come to the website the first time and I log in successfully, that website drops a little cookie on my computer saying, I know this guy, he's already logged in. Keep him logged in for a week, 30 days, whatever they want. And so they drop this little cookie, this little token on your website that says, this guy's good. Uh, I validated him already. Don't make him log in again. So when you come back to that website the next day, it remembers you. So that's a good thing, right? Uh, some of the other things uh, often we're used for is like shopping carts. So if I go to one website and uh, go to amazon.com and I put something in my shopping cart, but I don't buy it right then, right there. And then I come back a couple of days later and I say, oh, hey, there's something in my cart. What was that? Oh, right. Yeah, I meant to buy that and I didn't. So now I click buy. That's a good thing. That, that, you know, that's something that you would want. So that's how it remembers things about you uh, by, by basically storing that information with you instead of with them. So that when you come back to the website, it can query that information off your computer because it's the first party. It put the cookie there. Therefore, it can get the cookie back. You can only get the cookies that you put there. Um, so since it dropped, Amazon dropped that cookie on your computer saying, hey, this guy has something in his cart. When you come back three days, five days, two weeks later, and it, it'll query that cookie and say, oh, Carrie's got something in his cart. Let's let's put that back in here so it, can, so it looks like it was always there. It was been there all along. So initially cookies were a good thing and they still are a good thing. We still use them for lots of things. The real issue comes down to these third party cookies where the advertising companies who are really not the first party. That's not the website you're going to. You didn't click on, you know, trackmeadvertisingcompany.com. You went to amazon.com. Uh, but amazon.com was serving up ads from this tracking, you know, track, track me website, uh, advertising company. And then when you go to some other website that also has ads from that same third party, then they start you know, stringing together this information on you. So, uh, another way that this works that you might not be thinking about is, um, Google and Facebook. So when you go to on Pinterest and all these, all these other sites, but when you go there, these little buttons, right? Like, you know, like buttons or plus one buttons or a Pinterest, uh, pin button. Um, those little images, those little buttons are third party buttons and that makes those guys third party. So even if you don't click on them and say like, or pin or plus one or whatever, those little, those little buttons are third parties that drop cookies on your computer. So that when you go to some other website that has a like button or a plus one button or a pin button, 
that makes them the same third party tracker, just like the advertisers. They they've now dropped cookies on your on your account, and every time you go to any other page that has that same button on it, they're building up a breadcrumb list of every place you've been. So this is this is how you get tracked. This is how they build up these really detailed dossiers, these portfolios on you about everything you do on the web. And they use that for targeted advertising and they use it for building up a portfolio and selling it to other people who want to want to know about you. Now, I wish, I wish it was just that simple. If, if it was, we'd have technologies already to beat that. I'm going to tell you about those technologies here in a minute. Um, but there's more to it than even that. Um, there's these thing called super cookies, which are kind of falling out of fashion, which is good. But as that kind of implies, they're like, kick butt cookies that, that, that are really hard to, to block, to, to stop from happening. Uh, flash, uh, is a technology that's been used to do a lot of these super cookies. And I'm not going to get into the details, but basically it's really hard to block them and very hard to delete them. Um, they also do things like browser fingerprinting. And we're gonna talk about that for a minute because it's just another way that they can figure out who you are. Browser fingerprinting, takes a lot of information that is willfully given up by your browser. When you go to a website, when I go to amazon.com, your web browser, Firefox, Chrome, Safari, whatever it is, Internet Explorer, sends a request to that website. And along with that request, and you might just think they say, go to amazon.com and say, show me your main page. But along with that request that they send you, they give out all sorts of little helpful bits of information about you, like what kind of computer are you on? What operating system are you running? What version of operating system are you running? What browser do you have? How big is your screen? And you're thinking, why do they need that information? Well, because if they're going to show you something, like if you're going to go full screen on something, they want to know how big that screen is. So they can optimize what they're going to show you, right? What dimensions are your, what, what dimensions are your screen? Uh, they might want to know what fonts you have installed in your computer so that when, if they're going to send you something fancy with some pretty lettering, they want to know what you already have uh, because they don't want to send you something you don't have because then it won't show up at all uh, or it'll show up all messed up. So, you know, your browser trying to be helpful sends all sorts of this little detailed information about you to, to the website you're going to. Unfortunately, what that really means is when you add all those things together, it paints a pretty unique picture of who you are. Uh, it includes things beyond fonts, beyond screen size, besides all the things I mentioned. also includes things like what add-ons do you have installed? Uh, what helping applications do you have installed? Do you have, micro, do you have Adobe Flash installed? If so, what version do you have? Um, all these kind of things. So when you group all these things together, it paints a pretty unique picture of who you are. And, and if they actually took a snapshot of that, they can remember when you come back, even if you've come back from a different IP address, because maybe it's your laptop and now you're at home instead of at Starbucks or you're traveling and you're in Europe, but it doesn't matter if they can look at all that information. They can, and if there's enough, if there's enough detail there and a big enough, a uh, big enough list of things that have unique values in it. They can come up with a unique idea and say, I'm pretty sure that's still carry. <laughs> so um, you can check this yourself. Um, there's a website from the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, called Panopticlick. And you'll notice that it's a takeoff on Panopticon, which we talked about a little bit earlier. And what it will do is it will kind of do a little security or privacy check, more of a privacy check on your computer. Uh, and it will go through and look at all these things and, and look at all the things that your browser is, is telling them about you uh, and give you an idea of how unique you are. And I think you may find that you're extremely unique, um, more than you might believe. Um, so anyway, uh, there's a link to the show notes about that. will uh, about that as well. Or you could just search on Panopticlick. That's, um, uh, P A N O P T 
I C L I C K panopticlick. If you search on that on the web, you'll get that as well. And I do want to take a little more time just to talk about a couple other technologies that are used to track you. And this is actually outside the scope of what I'm going to tell you as far as fixing it. But I just want to give you an idea of, of how what the, what links these guys are going to to try to track you and build up this portfolio on you. They're they're coming at it from so many different angles. It's so hard to anonymously surf the web these days, and it's so hard to to to, to go around the web without leaving some sort of tracks. Um, smartphones. Think about your smartphone. You let's say you've got an AT&T smartphone. Well, it's pretty obvious that AT&T knows where you are. As long as you have your phone on, it knows where you are because it has to get calls to you, right? So if somebody calls you from anywhere on the planet, they need to know where to route that call. So they need to know at least what cell tower you're connected to. But your your cell phone is also, if it's a smartphone, like almost everybody's is today, it's got GPS built in. And uh, your phone company is probably somehow getting that information. Or if you've installed certain applications, uh, they've got permissions to access your location. If it's a weather app, well, you kind of need to know where you are to, to let them know if it's raining where you're, where you're at. So a lot of weather apps want to know your location. But there's also plenty of other apps that have no need whatsoever to know where you're from that ask you to, tell, to, to give them permission uh, to access GPS anyway. Um, why? Because, <laughs> because they want to track you. Um, uh, also, your Wi-Fi. Um, that works two ways. If you're, uh, when you're connected to Wi-Fi, uh, when you're scanning Wi-Fi for Wi-Fi signals, you've all seen the names of the Wi-Fi, right? Um, there's Starbucks and there's ones with common names, but everyone's got their own personal ones too. And there are actually companies out there that build up these kind of like Wi-Fi maps where if I'm at this place and I can see these five specific Wi-Fi SSIDs is what they call them, the Wi-Fi names. If I see these five specific names, then I'm pretty sure I know exactly where that person is on the planet because there's only one place on the planet that has those specific five combinations of Wi-Fi addresses that are available. You know, you don't have to connect to them. You just, but your Wi-Fi is constantly looking at them just in case you want to connect. It's constantly looking for these names and it has a, you know, like if you break up your little Wi-Fi settings app, it'll show you all the things, all the Wi-Fi networks within range. Well, it's kind of doing that all in the background. And if I can access that information, I could probably also get a pretty good idea where you're at. In fact, a lot of applications use a combination uh, of GPS and Wi-Fi to really narrow down where you're at. Um, it's been that they've been doing that for years. Um, when you're walking around with your Wi-Fi uh, with your phone, and it's got your Wi-Fi turned on, and it's got your Bluetooth turned on, uh, those radios that are in your phone they are uh, they are radios are broadcasting unique identifiers. Um, now they don't have your name or your address, um, but it's 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 the unique identifier basically of your phone. Um, or t- it's a little more technical than that, but it you, it does uniquely identify your smartphone. So as I'm walking through the mall and I've got Wi-Fi and Bluetooth turned on, it's constantly sending out these signals. So if I've got receivers in the mall, I can actually track your progress through the mall and remember that you came into my store before. Now I might not know who you are immediately. But I know, I know that you were in my store before, and I, knew, I know you were there three days ago because that same smartphone was in my store three days ago, and I recognize its unique identifier that it's broadcasting without me having to do anything. It's always, it's always happening in the background. So, you, you know, and if you would happen to go up and make a purchase at that store, well, now they've got your credit card information, and they can actually map those two things together. And then when you come back, they will know it's you. And, oh, by the way, you were here last time you were here. You bought three dresses and a, and a skirt. Yeah, you know, how do you like those? They can uh, some some higher end stores are actually using that information to greet you. Uh, they will come and say, "Oh, hi, Mr. Parker. I saw you were in here before. And how do you like that? Um, 
model of the Enterprise that you bought last time we were here. Can I interest you in the newest model? It's going to get that creepy. <laughs> but it actually is already that creepy. It's just that they're not always letting you know. <laughs> so we're being tracked in so many different ways. It's unbelievable. So let's, let's address a few of these right now and figure out what we can do about it. And let's take one more short break. And when we come back, I'll tell you what to do about all this, how to stop them from tracking you. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, so now we've talked about why privacy matters, why the tracking matters. We've also talked about how they track you, how they invade your privacy. What's left, of course, is what you can do about it. Now, uh, let's be clear, just like security, privacy is almost impossible to be 100%. It is really, really hard not to have, leave any footprints, any breadcrumbs as you're working around the web. Um, so today we're going to talk about the easiest methods, the, the, the heavy hitter methods, the one that's going to hand, handle all the low-hanging fruit and then some uh, that will get you pretty close. Um, and if you want to go more than that, uh, I recommend you check out my book. Uh, and in there, not only do I go a little bit further, but uh, there's also some websites I pointed to that for the truly paranoid, for the people that really, really want to guard their privacy to really kick that up a notch. But today, let's talk about the basics. Now, first of all, we got to deal with these cookies. We've talked about how they, the third-party cookies, the, the kind of the tag-along, ride-along cookies that you pick up when you go to these websites are tracking as you go. And the easiest method there is just to block all third-party cookies. Uh, this is a setting in just about every web browser, Safari, Opera, uh, Internet Explorer, Edge, Chrome, Opera. I may have said Opera already. Um, just about every web browser has this, at least on the desktop and on, on the laptops. Uh, sometimes on your mobile devices, they have fewer settings, but usually this is one they will allow you. So uh, find your, your browser settings. Find your privacy settings, perhaps, or maybe your content settings. Um, look for uh, look for information about cookies, and make sure you block all third-party cookies all the time. There's just no reason for you to have them. They don't really do anything for you. It's all about them. So I've never seen a case where blocking third-party cookies prevented you from doing anything on the website that you wanted to go to. So just step one, block all third-party cookies. And by the way, if you've got Safari, um, either on your... Um, Apple uh, smart device or on, on an Apple computer. Uh, I believe they've done this by default now for a couple of years. So Safari was the first, uh, probably only browser to do that by default. And it angered a lot of advertising companies, but you know what? <laughs> they are, they are abusing our trust and they're taking things too far. So uh, I'm with Apple on this one. Next up, let's talk about some add-ons uh, that you can put in your browser that will help guard your privacy. Uh, the first one I would recommend is from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. It's called Privacy Badger. Uh, and Privacy Badger is an anti-tracking add-on. And it's not like a lot of the other anti-tracking ones. This is kind of a smart uh, anti-tracking uh, plugin. So they're not only just looking at known third-party tracking websites uh, and blacklisting those, uh, but they're also saying, hey, this 
this website seems to be doing some tracking that they kind of keep an eye on things and they notice the behavior and based on those behavior patterns, they say, okay, yeah, this guy's tracking them too. We're going to block that as well. So it's a learning plugin, which is really great. Uh, and they're updating it all the time. And of course, this is from the EFF. Uh, these guys are doing fantastic work. I've talked about them multiple, multiple times. We've had multiple people on interviewed um, that I've interviewed from the EFF. Great guys. Please send this, <laughs> send them some money. They're really doing great work. Uh, so anyway, Again, that was Privacy Badger. Uh, to, to do any add-on on your, on, on your web browser, and at least on your desktop and laptops, it's a little harder. Um, oftentimes, your smartphones don't allow plugins, or they have very limited plugins. So you may not be able to do this on your smart devices, uh, your tablets and your, and your, and your phones. Uh, but for your laptops and desktops, uh, go to your browser's extensions or add-ons. Uh, sometimes it's under Tools. Uh, you'll need to find how you add add-ons. If you just want to Google it, I'm sure, or do uh, go to your browser's help menu and, and look for add-ons or extensions. It will point out where you need to do this. Search for Privacy Badger. Uh, for each one of these things I've got to mention, you're going to search on the name of the plugin. Once you find it, make sure the name is correct, 100%. Sometimes there's uh, copycats out there that have slightly different name variations. Um, be very careful of that. Make sure you get exactly the one I mentioned. Uh, then you can uh, plug it in. And usually it's plug in, it's fire and forget. You just plug it in and it just works. So number one, Privacy Badger from the EFF. Number two, also from the EFF, it's called HTTPS Everywhere. Now the uh, HTTP, if you you know paid attention uh, in the web browser, that's usually what you see in your web addresses, right? It's HTTP colon slash slash www. So it's that HTTP, that is the language of the web. That is Hypertext Transfer Protocol. Uh, and when you add an S to the end of that, that S is for secure. And that means that your communications between your computer and the website that you're actually trying to go to are encrypted so that all the points in between can't see what you're doing. And remember, I think we've talked about this in past episodes. You should think of your web traffic really as more postcards than letters. Um, for anybody along the way, and there's many, many points along the way, that's one of the beautiful things about the Internet is it's so robust because your little data packets, your little requests and responses can take multiple paths through the Internet to get between you and the site you're going to. Uh, that means if one site's down or one site's getting slow, it can take all these different routes. But the, the other part to remember about that is that every point along the way uh, can view your data. Uh, again, it's like a postcard. So, you know, you're not worried about necessarily a human looking at every one of these things. There's too many to look at, but there's really easy to set up an automated system to kind of poke through that and again, violate your privacy. So you want S, you want the HTTPS, you want that S to be there as often as possible. And there are some websites that actually will do both. They'll boot, uh, if you go to some websites, they offer both secure and non-secure connections. And unfortunately, some of them still do the non-secure connection by default. So what this plugin does, this HTTPS plugin uh, from the EFF, is it makes sure that for any site that supports HTTPS, that is the connection you're going to get when you connect to them. So uh, it's very simple. It's very straightforward. It does one thing and it does it well. Uh, so HTTPS everywhere is another one I would recommend you put in your browser. And one more, uh, one more plugin that I will recommend for you, and this is going to be a little controversial, and I'll talk about why here in a minute, uh, is an ad blocker. And that may seem simple. Oh, yeah, who hate, we all hate ads. I'd love to block all the ads. Well, as I said before, these websites do have to pay for their content somehow. They don't charge you directly, uh, so they show you advertising, and they make money on advertising. So if you start blocking their ads, then they you're cutting off their revenue source. But... The problem is the ad in industry, like I was saying before, they're really kind of selling billboard space. Most of the sites you go to don't manage their own ads. Um, they rent out the equivalent of billboard space on their website to some third party. And that third party makes sure that they fill those things with ads and then they send them a cut of money. So 
it, you, you really can't blame the sites you're going to necessarily because uh, they're probably hiring that out. But these other third parties, they're trying to you know make as much money as possible. So some of them don't do their due diligence to find out if they're serving up bad ads. And by bad ads, I mean malvertising. We talked about this earlier in the show. Ads that were that are rented out by the bad guys that are actually laced uh, with malware, or perhaps when you click on them, they'll take you to sites that are laced with malware or phishing sites that, that look like the site you want to go to, but they're really mocking some other site to try to get you to enter your credentials or your credit card information or whatever bad sites. Um, and then the other thing I've just got to say is that advertising has just gotten completely out of hand. First of all, first there's the tracking aspects and by blocking these ads, you're also, uh, preventing this tracking. Um, but they've, you know, they're trying to get your attention, right? There may be three or four ads on a page and that one advertiser wants you to look at their ad. So, you know, they've got animated stuff, they've got flashing lights, they've got, you know, maybe they actually pop up in front of you. Like you can't read the ad until you click the ad away. It's just gotten ridiculous and they've got to get their game in order. So personally, from an ethical standpoint, and I wrote a whole blog entry on this, if you're interested on my website, firewalls don't stop dragons. Uh, right now, I think the ad industry needs to get their act together. And until they do, until they clean up their act, until in particular they find some way to, you know, block the malware, I think it's perfectly within your right to install an ad blocker. And I'll talk to you a little bit about how you can tweak that in a second. So uh, the ad blocker I personally recommend is one called UBlock Origin. Now, there's another one called UBlock. Don't get confused with that one. You want UBlock Origin. Uh, it's a great ad blocking uh, plugin. Uh, it will. Uh, Block basically all ads, um, and which is <laughs> the other thing. The other thing that blocking all the ads does, by the way, is massively increases your performance because a lot of these ads are really heavy on video and animations and things like that, and that that takes bandwidth, that takes space. So it actually saves you time in downloading a lot of these websites as well. So you know the ad industry, you know I understand where they're coming from, but they need to get their act together. So. Uh, Install uBlock Origin for, for your ad blocking. Uh, I would recommend against like AdBlock Plus and some of these other ones. Um, AdBlock Plus in particular has this weird thing where they they only they allow some ads. They 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 allow ads that they deem to be acceptable, and they have some <laughs> some policy for this. And in reality, what they're doing is they're going to these other people and say, hey, we're going to block all your ads unless you pay us some money. And I'm sure they'd do some vetting and they'd probably say, okay, you can't have one of these pop-up ads and you can't have these annoying ads, uh, but it's still an ad. And, you know, I don't know. I think right now, uh, from a safety perspective, from a, from a privacy perspective, you are perfectly within your rights uh, to install an ad blocker. All right. And one more thing I want to talk about real quick before we talk about maybe the ethics of the ad blocking and call it a day uh, is that... Uh, Safari, uh, as I said before, one of the uh, the Apple's browser, who is the first browser to block third-party cookies by default, is launched a new anti-tracking privacy feature uh, in iOS 11, which is their iPhone and iPad operating system, and in macOS uh, High Sierra, which is the latest operating system for their laptops and desktops, have put into Safari even more anti tracking technology and it's really upsetting the uh the ad industry um but basically what they're doing is they're they're going beyond the third party uh cookie blocking and and making sure that first party cookies don't become third party cookies and so they're basically making sure that it's really kind of technical so i don't want to get too deep into that we don't have time but it's very interesting and i think they struck a really good balance with this and of course the ad industry is up in arms about it but they just they need to stop tracking you um and so let's get into that. So the ad tracking. So 
they're not, these technologies are not stopping you from seeing ads. What they're doing is stopping you from being tracked and getting these highly, highly targeted ads and, and, and having these people store these very detailed profiles about you and your web habits. Um, so it's not that they're not going to show you advertising. They can still show you advertising. It's just they have to go by just generic demographics and figure, okay, well, if you're going to this, you know, if you're shopping for a car, you might like to see things about car accessories. Um, that, you know, those kind of things are, you know, maybe you're, you're probably, you know, if you're looking for sports cars, you're probably a middle-aged white guy with a decent income. So they can show you ads based on that, but they don't necessarily have to track you personally. Um, so don't, don't believe it when they say it's going to kill the ad industry. It's not, it's just going to take it back to where it used to be, where things were good, where, they, where they weren't tracking you. Um, and they're just going to have to do their homework and, and show you ads, you know, and, and take a shot in the dark and show, show you the ads based on, you know, the likely demographics of the person coming to those websites. So again, um, if you want to, if you want to support these sites, cause these ad blockers that I'm telling you about are going to just block everything. Uh, you're going to come to some websites that'll say, Hey, I noticed you have an ad blocker. Um, would you please consider turning that off for my site? And you can, uh, if you really want to support that site and you, and obviously you're letting your guard down a little bit for this site, you're, you're trusting this site is not going to attract you. And you're trusting this site is not going to give you malvertising. But if you want to do that, you can, you know, whitelist that site, which is to say, block all ads from all sites, except this one. Um, you know, so you do have that option. If you want to support some of these sites through their advertising, you can pick and choose your sites and say, okay, I'm going to trust you guys. Cause I really like what you're doing and I want you to have some money. So I will not block ads on your sites. So that is a way that you can fine tune this. That is a way that you can actually still make sure you support the people you want to support, uh, when they're advertising based, um, to allow them to continue. And we'll, we'll have to sort this out somehow. We've got, this is all coming to a head. You know, we're going to have, probably have to come up with a different internet business model. Now, one more little tip of the week that I, um, I guess this whole episode is sort of one big tip of the week, but one more thing I wanted to call out for you, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around this is, uh, incognito mode or private browsing. Um, these are, these are options that a lot of browsers have today that supposedly let you surf privately. Now it's important for you to understand what that really means and what it, and, and what it doesn't mean. All private browsing does is mean that if, is if you go into private browsing mode, do whatever you're going to do, maybe go, maybe you want to go to a porn site. Maybe you're just shopping for something for your, for your, for your spouse, for their anniversary. And you don't want them to see that, you know, you don't want to see what you're doing or playing a trip and you don't want to you know, have them, you know, blow the surprise, whatever your reasoning is, uh, private browsing. All it really does is make sure there's no tracks left on your local computer of what you just did. So if you go into private browsing mode, do whatever you're going to do and come back out, it, whatever you did while you're in private browsing mode, there should be, if they do it right, there should be no record anywhere on your computer of what happened. That has nothing to do with what is happening out on the interwebs, <laughs> out on the internet that, that doesn't stop anybody out there from tracking. If you really want to do that, you'd need to start looking into things like a VPN or start using this uh, service called Tor which is well beyond the scope of this particular episode. In fact, we did do an episode on VPNs. You might want to go back and check that one out. Um, but we'll save that for another time. But I just wanted to make clear that when you're, when you're looking at, when you're looking at incognito mode or private browsing mode, all you're really doing is covering your tracks locally. It doesn't in no way does it cover what you're doing to the people outside of your computer, all the websites you visit, all the, you know, if you're not doing HTTPS, all the, all the websites that are between you and the sites you visit, uh, your ISP, your your internet service provider like Comcast, Time Warner, uh, whatever Google Fiber, um, those guys can still see everything you're doing. So 
just understand what private browsing is and what it's not. All right, everybody. And that's going to wrap up another episode and uh, our third in our series of Castle Defense 101. Uh, today, we've talked about uh, how to protect your privacy while browsing the web and your safety. So uh, if you want more tips and you want more information, uh, please check out my book, Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. You can find that on Amazon.com. You can also find that on the America Out Loud store. And of course, you can get to it from my website as well, firewallsdontstopdragons.com. Uh, on the website, you'll find other resources as well. You'll find my blog. You'll find my weekly newsletter where I send you this sorts of uh, weekly tip information directly to your mailbox every week. You can sign up for that. And if you do sign up for that, I've also got my top five tips and a little booklet that I'll send you as well. Uh, lots of great information, uh, lots of resources uh, for you to check out. So give that a look. And also, if you like this stuff and you want to help protect your friends and family, make sure you mention it to them as well. And last but not least, if you really want to help me to help you and to help others, uh, become a patron. And to become a patron, you go to patreon.com. Uh, go to patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash firewalls. Don't stop dragons. Uh, and there you'll find information on how you can help me to help others and help and continue to help you to spread the word, to educate the masses and to get everybody protected uh, online and guard their privacy. I would very much appreciate that. Uh, also tell your friends about that as well. And that's going to wrap it up, folks. That is another week of Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. We got more great stuff coming up in the future. Uh, really big interview coming in the near future. Stay tuned for that. Uh, but until next week, as always, don't get caught with your drawbridge down. Stay safe, everybody. See you next week. Bye.